Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. Job each, whatever you achieve in each job is like a brick and then another layer, and then another layer, and then suddenly you've built your house. You know what I mean? And, and I think that that's, you gain something from each brick. Each brick is edifying to you, and that doesn't go away. And I think that that's what then continues to build you as you go, because God willing, you love what you do. Hopefully you're good at it, and so you should do well. You gotta pick yourself up, go backwards, and slam yourself at the wall like 500 more times until the wall crumbles. 25% of middle school girls already believe they'll never achieve their dream career. career. Hi, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. Hint. And you're listening to Unstoppable, a podcast spotlighting the journeys of inspiring entrepreneurs. I believe that at its core, leadership is about constantly learning from the people around you. And I'm so inspired by the conversations we're having in our upcoming episodes and can't wait to share them with you. This season, some of my guests include Rebecca Minkoff, fashion designer and founder of the Female Founder Collective, Diana Kaff, author of Girls Who Run the World, Andrew Dudham, founder of Hymns, and Eugene Rem, co-founder of Rumble Fitness, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara Golden from Unstoppable, and I'm so, so excited to have our next guest here, Laura Brown. Hi, Laura. How are you? Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. 
Laura is the editor-in-chief of InStyle. I mean, who doesn't know InStyle? It's just the most amazing, beautiful, beautiful book out there and is one of the world's most successful fashion media brands. Laura is leading a brand that reaches over 30 million women. Wild, wild, wild. Hi, everybody. Yes. Hi, all 30 million of you. Yes. <laughs> so awesome. Laura oversees the core magazine, digital across all the platforms, and 13 international editions as well. InStyle has been, uh, has really seen unprecedented growth across digital with record-breaking unique visitors to InStyle. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but over 10 million? I mean, that's... Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I will say one thing just quick that I'm, I'm more of a dotted line, as they call it, corporately to digital. It's, it's we, we overlap and and they'll defer to me in some places, but I don't run the day-to-day because there's just no way. It's 50 stories a day. <laughs> so, so That's just, fair. Yeah, but I have my involvement, which I will happily share. I love it. So in addition, she leads the development of the InStyle Badass Women, which, by the way, I am honored to say I was a part of uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And that is when I'm out speaking and they say that I was a badass woman. That is the one that I always get a great like cheer in the audience saying, yeah, she's a badass no lady dislikes being called a badass. That's why this why this whole thing started. It's like no one goes, oh, if I say oh, you're a badass, and they go, ew, everyone loves it. It is the greatest compliment. I love it. It's one of my best ones. And oh, so good. Laura spent 11 years at Harper's Bazaar, another mm-hmm. book that is just incredible, and rising to the role of executive editor and has done amazing stuff with some other great books. I mean, what haven't you done here? Details, <laughs> W, I mean- Details, it's just- W, oh, I was at, I was at Talk Magazine for, uh, geez, six weeks, right after I- September 11th when I moved to New York. So I worked for Tina Brown and Harvey. If you oh believe. my God. Uh, I was what? there for, I mean, not, not in a proximity to Harvey, thankfully. It was, I was there six weeks and then that closed down. So I've had, yeah, I've sort of, I've packed a lot of different titles and that's not even in Australia, you know what I mean? So yeah. into my, but now I was going to say, you're into my short time in magazines. Uh-uh, I've been in magazines 27 years. Is that right? Yeah. 27 years. I started when I was 19. I love it. This is a podcast, obviously, but Laura clearly looks like she's about 25. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe really? that, that you are yes, 46. So. Yes. Wow. Just, just, uh, when did I, what what month is it? (laughs) I know. I know. August is this week, which is just, you know, ladies, what is time, man? Time is no longer counts. Uh, yes, I've been 46 for a couple of months. So I love it. Just see yourself in front of a window, girls. See yourself in front of a window. And you're You're so funny. Funny. (laughs) So anyway, well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. So you mentioned Australia. So is that where you grew up? Yes, I'm a proud Aussie farmer's daughter from a, a, a town called Camden, which is outside of Sydney in Australia. And my parent, I, I was born there and my parents got divorced when I was five. So mum and I moved to the quote unquote big smoke, Sydney. And yeah, I, I was brought up there. I have uh, my dad remarried and I have a half sister and a stepsister on the other side. But I was essentially an only child as I grew up. And, um, and I was just me and my mom and I was just sort of, hungry to be part of things all the time. I started waitressing when I was like 14. I started working and I started having my own money and I loved fashion and everything else. So I was very 
I mean, very independent, for better or for worse, very thirsty to just be part of the, number one, the, the world, because we were so physically far away from it in Australia and we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Twitter or any of that stuff. So I was thirsty for that, but I was also just thirsty to be out there and meet people and be, and be with the grown-ups. So I think that sort of propelled me in tons of ways, at the very least being to get on the odd plane. <laughs> How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, Term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell, or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? 
you can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So you're in Sydney and how did you make that transition into writing? Like what was it that- I loved, I wanted to be a journalist. I loved magazines. I I just was really so enamored by them. And again, due to the distance, you know, that we were away. I mean, one, there's a mythology to fashion and fashion magazines anyway. I mean, you know, but there was, especially then, you know, I'm talking like I'm coming up in high school. I I graduated college in 94. So we, it was the mythology of the glamour and and the creativity and the immediacy of it, but also the mythology because I wasn't near it. It wasn't near it at all. And to me, it was like totally pun intended. It was like, oh, it was like, look at this world, look at this world. And I feel like that that I wanted to to experience things and to be able to record them myself and put myself and put them into the world myself. So I guess that's where the writing thing came from, or at the very least the journalism thing. You know what I mean? The wanting to experience people and things. It wasn't necessarily like, I must write. I am a writer. You know, it's not, wasn't that, but it was like, I was so hungry for everybody's experience. I wanted to meet everyone, you know, and, and that's what journalism does. It gives you, I always say sometimes it's the most, it's the most powerful profession in the world because you have so much influence, but also the most pathetic because you're always talking about what everyone else is doing, (laughs) you know? And so it's, but you get, you get to be exposed to just the gamut of people and things and there's no other job where you can do that and so I I detected that pretty early in Australia and then I just kept projecting myself into these bigger bigger situations where you know I could meet more people and see more things. So I was a journalism major as well and as you and I were talking right before we started this mm-hmm. that I I wanted to get a job at time. I wanted to work at Fortune magazine and they wouldn't hire me because I didn't have any experience. I was trying to get right. my first job. But what was your first role then in journalism? Oh, my first role, because I've actually finished, because in Australia, our arts degrees are three years as opposed to four. So I did journalism communications. I graduated. I finished early because I took a job. It was called um, Australian Family Magazine. 
And uh, Australian Family, I worked at for not very long because that closed down. I had a really kind of great record of a while of like working for things that closed down. But I worked at Australian Family just for a few months. But then I had done an internship previously at a magazine called Mode, which sort of fancied itself as like a 90s W, like in, a, in like a kind of like social glamour. I remember kind Mode of, kind of way, yeah. Yeah, Aussie Mode, yeah. And so I, I didn't turn there, but then I got a job uh, doing like production, like like literally like shipping the magazine and chasing people for their deadlines. And this was back in the day when you would like hand write out the grid yourself. Like this is like crazy stuff. And I, I didn't love that job very much because it wasn't very creative, but it got me in the door. And then I would, you know, write at night and say, no, I can, I can write that section. I can write this. I can write that. So did my, you know, and then they ended up segging into more of a, you know, an editor, editor role. But my first job, real job was not a, necessarily a creative one. It just kind of, I mean, they knew I could do, I could do that, but I was, I was getting the magazine into the printer. I love hearing the story though, because every great, you know, disruptor, entrepreneur in almost every industry that I talk to Right. They really, you know, whether they recognize it or not, and what I just heard out of you that you were, you know, throwing up your hand and say, put me in, right? Like, you were like I want to do, I want to do this. And so and needy, so wait, needy, right? You didn't <laughs> no. wait, you were just, and you weren't like totally confident that you could probably do it either, right? Yeah, it's, but it's just like, yeah, but it wasn't like, I'm conscious of saying it wasn't like it was a plan. It wasn't anything. For me, I feel like I just lurch around with enthusiasm. Like it, it was more my enthusiasm and excitement about what I was doing that would lead me to go, I can do it. It wasn't like, oh, I'll show them or this is my plan. It was like, oh, I'll do that. And I feel like that, I think sometimes when we're trying to chart a course or get into a certain industry, sometimes if you, you can remember those sort of childlike things of, of something, just something that you really love, if you really love it, you're going to gravitate to it and you're going to put your hand up. So I felt like more of like I surfed my way into it rather than sort of really contriving. You know, I, that would be that would be far too sophisticated for me. But I think that's really interesting. And I have a book coming out in October and sort of the theme is, is a lot of that where, you know, right. if you didn't know the word failure, what would you do? And I so often talk to people about this journey that they've been on and how so often they were raising their hands with enthusiasm. You know, they didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. want to do that role forever, but they were like, I'll do it. You know, it'll be fun. And there's a, there's a, there's a guilelessness to it that I think, I think is really important too. It's not about like, I knew what I, I didn't know intrinsically what I wanted. Of course I knew that in my core, but there's, there's this sort of, go with this sort of the joy and naivety and enthusiasm and hopefully you you know you have some sort of aptitude you know for 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 the business that you're in or want to be and I hope that comes with that that you know yourself well enough for that but yeah just that sort of like oh yeah I'll do it yeah I think I mean I I still but so often I think people (laughs) think okay she's gets to the top of you know Harper and Harper's yeah. and then in style, but there were a lot of things along the way that you were, you know, there were steps along the way. I mean, so yeah. many. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. There's been so many that I sort of forgot where I first worked because it's been, it's been years and years and years in different countries and different machinations. And it does end up sort of an idea of it. I, I say like any, any career or any career that is deemed successful or, or, or success is up to you, but is thing you achieve each job each whatever you achieve in each job is like a brick 
and then another layer and then another layer and then suddenly you've built your house you know what I mean and, and I think that that's you gain something from each brick each brick is edifying to you and that doesn't go away and I think that that's what then continues to build you as you go because God willing you've loved what you do hopefully you're good at it and so you should do well just by those two very very simple factors if you're not forcing it, you know and that's that's when you start as you get older you get to be a bit like yeah I can do that because you have yeah no I love this yeah. I also see this in yeah. women too and I yeah. you know we'll probably go out on a limb and there'll be a few men that hate me for saying this but I feel like there's <laughs> like there's so often is the step that not always but I see men taking where they went from here to right. to there and you know and they I don't know they got lucky or whatever so often with women right. they actually did exactly what you're talking about where they built it and and you don't forget about those steps and so you actually how to no. do those you probably still know how to put a brick in there right and you're built and I think that it doesn't matter whether that whether that brick is whether you built a company or whether you made I don't know fed your family and and they they're healthy it doesn't matter what that thing is and I, that's why honestly I've been on this challenge that's been going around the challenge accepted you know women supporting women thing I've always had a bit of an issue with the word empowerment because I feel like it sort of transmits the idea that we need it or we don't have it already I agree I agree and so because I, I feel like to go back to the, the bricks whatever her circumstance and of course many women and you and I are in you know better circumstances than a whole lot but there, everybody has those bricks, and I feel like sometimes women forget that, and that's okay. I, I know, I know it's not not so easy, but when I hear the word empowerment, I'm always like, I feel like it's a little patronizing. Yeah, I'm like, we all have those damn bricks. No, we definitely, bricks. definitely, no. But I love it. Yeah. I love knowing that you remember those days, and and so yes, God, you get to. So, how did you get to the U.S. then? I got to the U.S. on a one-way ticket. Oh my God, what did I do? I had. I, cause I moved to London for a couple of years and then I went back to Australia, worked for Harper's Bazaar and then, but I just had my heart set on this. I just remember when I worked for Harper's Bazaar, we used to get this bag of magazines. It was called the airbag. It's a very creative in Australia. It's a bag from the plane. So it's called the airbag. And, uh, and we would get all these, these magazines and I was hungry. I mean, like the new Vogue would come, the new Harper's Bazaar, the new details, the new W, the new did it. New York Magazine. I remember one day I was I had a roommate and we actually had a really great apartment. I looked at the harbor. It was really lovely. And um, but I was reading New York Magazine and I was reading Intelligence or and this was year 2000, I guess, or 2001. And I'm reading something about like Moomba, the club or something like it's such a time capsule. But I was so en entranced by this Intelligence section that I looked up and I remember I remember that I'd forgotten where I was. Like I I I forgot. I looked up and I was like, oh, the, oh, I'm in Sydney. Like I'd just gone mentally to New York City. It was a very physical feeling. It was really strange. And and so I was like, all right. I mean, that wasn't the then and there, but it was just, I just had to come here because I think it's very much, again, part of the journalistic impulse where you want to be where things happen in the first instance. And again, we didn't have that at home. We didn't have all the access we have now. So it was kind of second, you know what I mean? I would write a review of a fashion show from, the internet and I wanted to see a fashion show with my own eyes you know what I mean or an art exhibition or see a movie when it came out and like three months later or so it was just it, it was the idea of just like wanting to to see it and New York was whatever the center of all of that especially for magazines and, and fashion so I just 
there wasn't really a choice. I had to come. I think I think most most journalists whether they've stayed in Australia or not, have gotten on a plane and gone somewhere because it's just very much part of the instinct. But then then you add to that that sort of Aussie silly hustle, I'll go, you know what I mean? Because you haven't been in the, seen the rest of the world when you grow up, that's why I did it. So, yeah, I turned up September the 4th, 2001. Great time, <laughs> right? Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, look, thankfully I didn't, you know, I mean, I didn't have friends that, you know, I barely had any friends by then because I'd been there a week. What a time to get here. So I feel like it did, if nothing else, as horrendous as it was, really distilled very quickly whether you were going to stay or whether you were going to go. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Aussies left and more power to them. They'd been here and they were like, see you later. I was, again, sort of guileless, I guess. And I was like, well, I'm here. My mom is like, your bags are still packed. You can come home. And I was like, oh, I'm down, but I'm in Gristides buying my tuna. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, it didn't occur to me. It didn't occur to me to go. And I felt like when you're, when you're here in that time, you're in the fabric. That's it. It's your town. You know what I mean? And, and that's what it was. But I don't, my first year felt like a dream sequence. I don't really remember like where I got my social security number from. Like just various establishing things. I, I don't really remember. I just was here. Right. So my, I moved to New York in the early nineties and I, and I stayed Mm -hmm. with a friend of my sister's who was living in the East village on St. Mark's between B and C, which was not a very. No way. (laughs) My first place was St. Mark's between first and second. (laughs) And I remember I, I grew up in Scottsdale and landing there. I mean, outside of her, I knew nobody Two things happened to me the first week at which I should have left New York. Everybody said, I can't believe you're still there. My first day when I went to go work at at Time Magazine, I walked Mm -hmm. outside the apartment and there was a painting of a somebody had just died. And so I asked the police officers, they were doing, you know, the outline and I... Yeah, the outline and I said, you know, eyes wide open, girl from Arizona. I'm like, excuse me. What what is that exactly? And they said, oh, oh no. you should move along. You know, somebody has passed. <laughs> then I got on the subway. I'd only been on the subway like oh, once no. and I get on the subway. And then not that night, but the next day, my scalp is itching and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I looked down at my hair and I see these bugs and I got lice <gasps> the first week. On this, on, oh. And so I remember, this is my first job. Like, start spreading the news. So I, said, <laughs> so I said to my boss at time, I came in and I said, and I said, I've been here all night. All, you know, it's just awful. And I had never been through this and I'm crying and, you know, I'm 21 oh, years old and I'm like, how do I want to be a part of it? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I... I know, yeah, like, and so of course I I call you know my mom was calling me and she said so are you going to come home now and I yeah, yeah 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 I think I'm okay like yeah. I, I I'm fine that's what I say when New York likes to give you the finger <laughs> and um but it just goes it gives you the finger and then and then it's like test you as it is right now again but it goes like give the finger is like you really want to live yeah. here you want to no. live here do you do you do you do you do you and you're like I think yeah. so. You know, and then suddenly it's almost 20 years later, but it will test you. It will you. test you and make you more interesting mm-hmm. and just and just add to your ability yep. to, to live yep. and handle. And, and uh, up your masochism index. <laughs> exactly. No, it's so funny. So talk to me about the everybody's in philosophy oh, and yeah. how it's developed into the InStyle brand. I sort of, 
again, I don't sort of happen upon these sort of platforms or or slogans from any sort of tested place or you know what I mean. I feel like there's a lot of women's stuff where it's like, what's our women's platform? What's our da-da-da-da-da? for me? It's just come out of something out of my mouth. And I think the previous example that everybody's in was the badass thing because I was reading about this was about two and a half years ago now when Trump had his first attempt, which has sadly come off, which was to ban trans people from military. And I was so, so pissed off, as I think so many of us were. And I was like, I want to, I want to profile it. Trans women, so we found this trans woman called Jennifer Peace, who served in like three wars, three kids, just Amazing. incredible. And I was reading about her and I was like, oh, what a badass. And I was like, oh. So that became an organic, like, page every issue that an online platform now, now an issue, now a whole thing. And same thing with everybody's in, because I think I've always loved fashion magazines because I've always loved, I love fashion. And I love that idea of it, but I don't like being condescended to. I don't like reading a magazine and feeling worse about myself that I don't have the right husband, the right garden, the right body, the right, whatever sanctioned level of achievement of the day. And I say that as an editor. You know, I just, I don't like it. I don't like that prescriptive nature of it. I think obviously it's improving. I don't like the idea that sometimes fashion has that it likes to make you feel that without this, you're not enough. I I got, I think it was about the measure of this business quite early. And I love and adore fashion and I love and adore magazines, but it's not Mensa. And, and when you can sort of see inside and out of it, I want everybody to feel welcome. And I don't sit there and go, oh, our magazine's just for the, you know, it's, I hate the word aspirational, or it's just for this readership. It's not, it's for everybody. And whether or not each reader likes or can afford or cares to buy a pair of Prada shoes, that's up to them. Or I, if they want to read about an immigration lawyer that just is like saving kids on the border, great. I can put all those things together, but I firmly believe, and I've become so much more stubborn about it. When you finish reading InStyle, you feel better, not worse. You don't feel like you don't have or you aren't or you're not worthy or you need something. If you buy a lip gloss, super, you know what I mean? But you're not defined by that. So that's any equity I've earned in, the, in this business, I'm spending on that. I, you know, I can, I can produce a beautiful, gorgeous fashion picture that, you know, Louis Vuitton likes and that's, that's fine. And I will do that, but I can also, you know, these these things are not separate. Each woman can appreciate a beautiful fashion image and also work and, and worry about how she's going to pay a bill or how she looks or if she wants to color her hair. Or we, we, are, we have so many different gears. And I think that I'm just trying to, you know, put them all in the blender every issue, basically. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's in. You do a great job. I mean, I think what you're touching on too is just that any influencer, whether you're an actual, you know, celebrity or you're an editor yes. or a CEO or or whatever you know there is a sense of responsibility that you have that oh especially now my god I mean I was hired four months four and eight and no, 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 no three months before Trump was elected and so for me not to reflect not to try and be on the right side of history since all of this has happened would be profoundly irresponsible and for me just to like, you know, you know, yeah, stick her head in the sand and be like, oh, here's a lady in a ball gown, you know, in her garden. That's not where we're at. And I think that I, I we have a platform of all these millions of ladies that, that you were talking about. And if I can, you know, put some vitamins in the honey, you know, I will I will certainly do it. And I and I think I'm that, that's what I am most proud of is we have been very much part of the conversation, you know, for the last few years and have been not just reflecting the culture, we've made made news. We put 
Dr. Fauci on a cover two weeks ago. Like, and that, that's my job. Which was amazing, by the way. Thank you. I, I absolutely Thank you. loved it. He looked like the CAA, you know, yeah. executive. I have, a, I have something, this is literally, I have one trick. And when I, I put sunglasses on a senior citizen <laughs> and I call it the Biden. <laughs> it, was abs- but, it was absolutely awesome. He actually was at, my father-in-law was at New York Hospital for years yeah. and actually almost 50 years. And Fauci was actually his resident. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And so it's it's funny, a couple of years ago, he had actually told me about Fauci and how, you know, he was probably, you know, one of his like smartest and right. always right. asked like the best questions and hardest working. And then, wow. you know, he starts showing up on television and, you know, now really he's the man. He's and now, the Trump's man. Now, now Trump's grumpy because Fauci's getting the attention. Yeah. You see no, Trump I, saying that the Yankees had asked him to pitch and they, they hadn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, it actually gave me a real kick yesterday in the, in the Times. It talks about how Trump said that, and then but he's a little incensed that, you know, Fauci's getting played, and then it mentions in Star Magazine, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> that is so awesome. I love it. Well, and I love that you're, like, smiling through this and having a good time you, with it, too, because you can't take it so seriously that you get so... You can't, you can't shake your fist every day. No one can. No woman, man, or anyone else. It is not good for our health. It's just not... I think it's easier for us sometimes to come at all of these issues because we come at it through the particular woman who represents X, Y, or Z, rather than all day just going, throwing it on every hashtag and this and this and this and this and this. It is just futile. It also becomes, you keep yelling, no one's going to hear you. You know what I mean? Like that is just endless. You just become noise. So you do have to choose your battles and you you have to edit. And I'm an editor. So I like to be like, oh, okay, like, for example, Fauci said I do, but here's Dr. Fauci and here's what he represents during this COVID fight. About us on the issue is out now August, um, about us 50, which you were on, this this year is uh, 50 healthcare workers, from one from each state. I love it. Celebrating each woman, but also not just celebrating them covered in PPE, celebrating them as, hi, this is Jane. Jane likes winged eyeliner. Like, she's an actual person, you know what I mean? And so... So for, um, you know, that's what I'm really keen to do. And so, again, it's very clear by talking about these women, it, it is very much Im- clearly implied that they shouldn't be after doing this, do this because we should have ha- handled this earlier, you know. And, and but, but by saying here's X, Y, and Z doing the job, I say that without just going F Trump, he screwed up in Feb and March every second of the day because it's defeating and tiring. And, and, and we look at everything else going on in this country. There's enough battles on enough fronts. That I'd rather try and be a bit more personal about it, I guess. Yeah. Well, you guys have done, you've done a great job on that. So obviously we're recording this during COVID and I'd love to hear what you think. I mean, obviously producing a magazine, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, working in any business, I think is, is super challenging during this time as, you know, move. (laughs) What do you mean, honey? It's a picnic. It's a picnic. (laughs) No, exactly. Exactly. But well, two things. I mean, I think like the the big thing that I'm I'm most curious about is, you know, mm-hmm. obviously you're covering, you've covered this for Bazaar and, you know, you cover this as like so many fashion. I mean, you cover lots of different brands, but as we yeah. start to look at events, right? And <laughs> what's an event? <laughs> and, you know, like fashion week and some of these, you know, what, like what happens, right? Um, I, I mean, how, how does this 
nothing, you know, how do you collect? Here. What is going to be happening for fall with like collections? With um, nothing in the states. I know that pretty much, and that's and it's not. Look, we have an in-style award, in-style awards that we do normally every October, end of October. We're in LA, we're not going to be doing that. No, we can't do anything in the US and that sucks, but it is what it is. In terms of Europe, they will be doing it in, in sort of different ways, but it does depend. We are not sure if, it's funny, I had a couple of brands saying, so you're planning on coming to shows? And I'm like, dudes, we're not allowed to get on a plane to Europe right now. Like, I mean, I have no control over whether or not I can I can go to Paris or whether anybody in the American press can go anywhere i don't know when i can go to australia so i don't know i think there'll there'll be european shows in europe and there'll be they've already done a couple etro and dolce gabbana and jacquemus did some shows a couple of weeks ago sort of social distance mask la 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 they'll certainly do that whether or not americans or people in living in the states can be part of it is uh to be seen if i could if i could safely go to paris at the end of september i would love to i love it of course but could not answer anything the way it's going in this country i don't see that i don't see us getting there but i would love to be wrong (laughs) i would love to be wrong and so do you think these things end up happening i mean just how uh sports are without an audience Uh, and and you do it by zoom or no i think that you know it's funny because there was all this debate before this happening about who should show and who shouldn't and there's all there's designs that should show and those that just are better off if they do a presentation or they do direct to consumer or they do there's many different modes to be a successful designer so I feel like a lot of people feel like the schedules and everything were already too padded by by stuff and obligations that people didn't need to be doing if the designer don't need to show because it costs them too much money from the editor who who can't get into the office all day because she's fulfilling all those obligations so there was this necessary questioning of who should and shouldn't but what I think as COVID has has shown in a weird way part of the, the charm of fashion is is its old-fashionedness in some ways when it's done well like i i miss going to a show and there's there is something about a digital fashion show it just doesn't transmit it just doesn't there is there is something about the electricity in a room of a show it's about your particular eye for a detail whether you think a shoe looks cool or or how you position it in your head or what that means to you or what it reminds you of personally as those young folks like walk past you and i think that there's even sort of back to my, it's funny how it goes six circles around, but back to my earlier perspective, of like wanting to see it with your own eyes. You want to see it in real life with your own eyes. So I don't miss going to a bunch of shows that don't mean anything. I miss going to shows that mean something. And I think that like a Valentino show, for example, but I do think that that is the realization that designers have had is that it does need to mean something now to be worthwhile. And, but a bunch of brands, I mean, obviously the really big ones like Chanel and stuff are like, yeah, no, we're showing it. It's a thing. That's what we, what we have to do. So it was, it was sort of cliche. It was, it was the French people, of course, who came up first. No, no, we will always show. We will always show. And, you know, and that was, that was that. I think a great fashion show is an amazing thing. I really do. But we'll just have to see when we, when we can, Go. I mean, all the digital stuff that brands have been doing, I've, I barely watched it. And I know I should be, but I haven't been so drawn in. So, Engaged. yeah, it says, it says something. I feel like there's a technology play, and I don't know what it is, but I feel like, you know, we'll be sitting here in a couple of years from now saying, of course that happened, right? Yeah, like I, I, I don't th- know. I mean, it's, it's a sort of eternal question about what, how we do it, but there is just like a, a beautiful outfit that was designed with, real joy and intent and walking past you there is nothing like that 
you know, yeah. so I don't think that will go away. I just think we've got to find our way in the middle a bit better than we are. And maybe, maybe it because what in New York you can do fifty people at these. I mean, maybe there is a way. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, in New York, I ain't no one doing anything. Soon. We're just excited to eat outside. I know. <laughs> so maybe somebody can like do walk some models up and down Columbus Avenue when I'm having my Mexican. <laughs> That's all we got to look forward to right now. God bless. I hear you. So you're in the city. Yeah, I mean, sort of in and out. Like, sorry, we um. We, we will, me and my fiance will kind of sit here for a few weeks and then go somewhere just to kind of charge ourselves up to like come back again. We went to like North Carolina for a couple of weeks. We've been out to the beach. Yeah, but it is a bit weird that we can't really, I was quite struck last week with the fact that we can't really fly anywhere now. We can't go to the Bahamas, can't like, I mean, just places that were sort of taken as a given that we're three hours away from New York that maybe you could go to if you want to go on holiday. No one wants anybody from the States. Yeah. Which is no, just absolutely terrible. What a, what a bragging right to be international pariahs. So yes. No, I mean, look, I mean, I, I like my apartment. I'm living in the park. It is what it is. There's nothing you can do apart from be kind of sanguine about it and try and keep your spirits up. But I do think that's again where, I, where I'm lucky because my team and I talk about this all the time because we get to make a thing like every day we can, or every month or somewhere in between, we can see the results of what we're doing. So we're not just floating in limbo all the time. You know what I mean? We can put a cover out and see that bounce around the culture and be rewarded by that. So we do have something to show for ourselves while we're at home. So I, I do, we all count ourselves super lucky for that. Some professions, some people can't, some people aren't even working. Number one, a whole lot of people aren't even working. Number two, there's people who's whose professions don't work like that, you know what I mean, and are just a bit sort of stuck. So, you know, for, for that choice of the immediacy of telling a story, I'm super grateful that I do that right now, even though it's a bit, bit tiring, but it's okay. <laughs> well, I love how, you know, the combination of, of fashion and and really bringing in what you believe is important, Fauci on the cover, all of these things, I Thank really you. admire for how you've led. Ooh, wait yeah. for our September issue. I just September issue is really good. It comes out in two weeks. It looks like I saw a said it looks like we didn't have any problems at all. Yeah. And we so did. We so did. But it looks it looks great. And I think it's really reflective of what a team can do when they really, really try. So uh, I'm I proud of it. I can't wait. So that's Thank gonna you. be really, really fun to see. So two last questions. I always ask. Oh yes. The what is your favorite hint flavor? Hint flavor is lime. That's hard. Which I mentioned to you is like on hiatus. And what did you say to me that it has to? Bring back to... the lime. Bring back the lime. <laughs> I know. the lime. At least, at least so we can hang out with his good friend tequila. But you also said you <laughs> like lemon. As, you like the lemon as well. I like, and... I like lemon. I like a light citrus. I've yeah. always been more of a light, light, like lemony lime citrus than an orange. But that's, that's just me, guys. Just me. You're, oh, you're so funny. That's that's awesome. And then final question, what makes you unstoppable? Huh. Well, this question, actually, I will be contrarian because I actually think I am eminently stoppable. And I think that knowing when to stop and knowing what your limitations are really, really important. And as, you know, a woman who's in a prominent business or, or a lot of us, I think you need to know, and especially right now when it's very challenging out there for everybody, you need to know. You need to do the best you can and you need to create what you can and do work you're proud of and be kind. But if you need to stop or if you actually can't for a day or whatever, don't second guess yourself. Don't beat yourself up. 
if you need to go to bed, if you need to have a glass of wine or you need just to like lie there and stare at the wall, do it. I always think embracing your limitations is one of the greatest thing any woman who is successful or wants to be successful can do. So how to be unstoppable is to occasionally stop. <laughs> I, no, I, I love that. And really self-care. Yes. I mean, it sounds like, you know, that that's, that's just that's really- basically it. That's basically it. But it's, it's all right. Just it's okay to say sometimes I can't do that. I don't have the ability, desire, whatever, juice, the charge in my human iPhone to do that. That's fine. It'll, it'll get done. Just look, getting through the days right now for so many people is, is, is an absolute hell zone. So don't, don't beat yourself up on top of it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you don't write the great novel. I am certainly not. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I hear you. Absolutely. So your Instagram's amazing. Is that the best place oh, to follow you? That's where I live at Laura Brand 99. Yep. I live there. I love it. My little avatar and um, yeah, and I'm there and on Twitter, but um, you know, people know where to find me. So, and I love, and obviously everybody's in, I love to hear from people. I, I chat away with people on Instagram all the time. So you know, I am an only child. So <laughs> be my friend. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm Kara Golden on Instagram as well with an I, Golden with an I, but definitely Golden Glory. This is, this has been really, really fun, Laura. And thank you so oh, much. Thank you so taking, much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time and enjoy the rest of the week. And thanks everybody for listening. If you, if you are not yet a subscriber, definitely subscribe to Unstoppable and hear the rest of our great interviews that we're doing and lots of learnings along the way. So and apologies for all my yapping ladies. I'm sure you'll get your life back. No, 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 no. <laughs> we love we love yapping and it wasn't yapping that way. So appreciate it. Oh, so. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much, Laura. I appreciate right. it. I'll see you soon, Dal. Yeah, definitely. All right. Talk to you soon. like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. unstoppable.